Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi, guys. It's America again. We're back for another session of In the Open. Teresa's here with me. And we got a special guest, our friend and phenomenal guy, Drew. So, Drew, say hi. Tell people who you are. Hello, everyone. My name is Drew Gritz, and I'm happy to be on the podcast with two amazing human beings that I've had the pleasure of knowing for a couple of years. So, Drew, today we're going to be talking about um, I'll Never Be Able to Do Anything. It's a continuing series that we're doing about uh, difficult, intrusive thoughts that we have. Hmm. It, it came to mind that I was like, Drew can totally speak to these issues. Not, not in any way shady. I feel that the work that you've done really connects to this intrusive thought. So, Drew, tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, I'm a writer and director. And over the course of my career exploring writing for film, television, music videos, everything in between, directing content, similar nature, I had this experience, geez, I want to say six, seven years ago when I met you guys through Mental Health America. I made a film called The Love Effect, and it was about two guys from different parts of the world who also met under miraculous circumstances and were both dealing with depression and a potential suicide attempt. And those triggering things aside, I realized in my work at that time that everything I do is related to mental health. You know, this idea that mental health is for those um, that have mental health issues or mental health is, a, you know, it's a stigma word where we talk about it only when it's in relation to mental health issues. But that's not the case. Mental health is about health. It's about wellness. It's about well-being. And myself as a writer, as a director with a huge advocacy for love and love awareness, trying to understand this nebulous word, what is this love thing, uh, led me down this path of understanding and exploring what is mental health and what is mental wellness. And that project kind of teed off my realization that everything I do in my work, whether it's my novel or it's a film or it's who I am as a person, as a mentor, as a colleague, as a friend, everything I do in my life and my work is about mental health and mental wellness. And so when that film came out, we, we had that small partnership with Mental Health America. You guys gave us the opportunity to screen our film. And it just led me to this path of understanding that I could do more and say more and that I was in a, a special position of privilege and power as a storyteller to communicate characters and stories that represented mental health struggles or mental health experiences, which is something that most filmmakers and storytellers do, but they don't realize that. So the knowing and the realizing that I had a hand in expressing mental health experiences, I realized I should study it and understand it better. Everyone in my life that has mental health challenges, myself included, once I started to understand that realm and could put a name to it, it helped me focus my work as a writer and as a director and really as a human being. I think that's phenomenal. So, you know, you, I think in many ways have become a mental health advocate without realizing that you were from the beginning. Mm -hmm. yeah. But part of the story, I think, that connects with me and what you've done is you know, as a human being, we all struggle with these types of intrusive thoughts. And even more so, given the space that you've kind of been in your life, right, where you are creating 
movies and writing novels and taking your experience and the experience of others and putting it out into the world. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what it means to have this intrusive thought, like I'll never be able to do anything. I know Mm -hmm. that at different times in my life, I felt that way. So it's something I think a lot of people may struggle with, but there's some shame tied to it. Sure. Um, and some fear, right? Because I think fear kind of is embedded in all of these intrusive thoughts. So two questions, both for you and Teresa. Teresa, have you ever felt like you'll never be able to do anything? I mean, I know we've talked about intrusive thoughts a lot. So, you know, <laughs> Drew, you missed the epic, like, no one cares about me is like my hardcore intrusive mm. thought. Mm. I have to be honest, right? And be able to say like, I'll never be able to do some anything has not been on my and it's very interesting because I wonder how much like I don't know I've been independent for a long time so like my child mm. abuse situation is full of neglect and also fear based so like if you couldn't do something it was beat into you <laughs> that you better mm. do it <laughs> and that failure was not an option yeah and then I was lucky enough to be relatively capable. <laughs> so there were times when I used to think it, but it was very young. Like I didn't know how to read until I was quite old. Anytime I had a a major failure, there was a period where I was like, that really sucked. I'm never going to be able to do it right. But after a couple of months of wallowing, I would say that that's been when I've struggled with I'll never be able to do anything. Mm. Whereas like the way that I think about I'll not be able to do something has been specific. Like I'll never be able to be a good mother. There are things I just can't do. Like, mm-hmm. and if I, and, and there are things that I feel shame that I can't do them. So I don't, it's not that I'll never be able to do anything. It's I'll never be able to do this X thing that I just know I'm not capable of. What about Drew? You, have you experienced this? Daily. All the time. It's a rabbit hole statement, this intrusive thought, because it's not just sometimes I'll never be able to do anything. It's I'll never be able to do this thing or I'll never be able to do something or I'll never be able to do something again, especially with when you care about something, there's a dual sided sword and equation, if you will. When you really care about something, I really care about this podcast. I really want this to communicate me well. If I genuinely care about something, I believe that there's then fear attached to that. You know, if I really want my movie to be successful, it's going to scare the heck out of me. So when there's something of importance to us in life, whether it's a kid, a, a relationship, a mentorship, a business, hosting dinner, or first impressions, when we really care about something, I feel like our fight and flight kicks in and it actually makes us scared. It makes us fearful. And so that equation is if I'm scared of something, if I'm terrified by something, what that actually means, it means I care about something else. Whoa. Yeah, that's deep, right? <laughs> I'm having a freak out because I'm like, she's all, connecting with what you've said. Yeah. It's what it is. If I, if there's something that, like for me, I'm a writer, director, I'm a storyteller. So if, if someone, my novel is important to me, it's so important to me, it's me, right? Yeah. That means it's me. So that means I'm terrified. I'm terrified of everything because I care about it so deeply. So the equation is when we're scared about something in life, something we can or can't do or someone, whatever it is, when we're scared about something, what that actually means is is that we care about something else specific. And 
part of getting past these intrusive thoughts or these block blockages, these stoppers is I think the acknowledgement of what we care about and then the processing. I think we go through processing where it's like, okay, I feel terrible right now. Like I'll never be able to do anything. I can't do this one thing. We're processing going through that, but we're not in the acknowledgement state of understanding, acknowledgement, understanding what that thing is that we care about. As a storyteller, there's like a math to, to the emotional things that we try to communicate in a story or on screen. And hopefully a film or a story takes you on a journey where you can reveal that. The depth of what you highlighted is like Teresa's like, let's not cry. But it's like it's so deep, right? Because I mean, I'm but like, if you don't oh. if you don't care about something, you're probably more than likely not scared about something. And that's why everyone says just go in there and don't worry about the meaning. Go in there and. Talk to the girl, talk to the boy, be natural. Don't worry, don't don't give it ish because you're taking the pressure off yourself. So a lot of times when we're not terrified by something, we're, we don't deeply care about it. You know, they go hand in hand. That's so interesting because I have a hardcore avoidance coping skill. Like that's my go-to. Mm. If something scares me, I just mm. avoid being scared by it. It's like... Mm how have I set up coping skills so I did not have this particular intrusive thought as like a, a thing? I, I have this coping skill where I just set the bar so low. I'm like, oh, you're crap. And you'll always be crap. And it's totally fine. As long as you're crap. It's intrusive thoughts at its finest right there, Teresa. Yeah. And yeah. I just like take no risks. You know, like some people would say, oh, I don't take risks. But it literally took me three years to do this podcast because I was like, wow. I, I, and I can't look at stats about it. I can't even listen to them again. Because I just, it's like, I think that I have too much fear about like what it means to be a failure at this thing that I tried that I basically avoid doing anything that will reinforce how I am a failure. Well, we could talk about that. You know, it channels, I'll never, I'll never be successful at this thing, right? Well, you you want this podcast to be successful because you care about it, you know? And I'm in the same arena with my book. It's like, you can spend all this time hustling your books. You can spend all your time hustling your work, but- the thing we had to do is to make peace with it and to not not let the intrusive thoughts block us from even giving our best message. And here's one of the things I'd seek solace in. And I, and I learned this at a young age. I was lucky. I, I did a family documentary called this American family about what it means to be a family after divorce and during divorce. Right? So I made, I turned the camera on my family during a divorce and I got money from the Hollywood foreign press grant. It was my first featured um, film as a documentary and I put the camera on my family to explore what's it mean to, to have a divorce. And I screened that film once in my entire life, once to a live audience, a packed audience. And I was both proud. I was both terrified. I was trepefied mm-hmm. and I, I was amazed. And at the end of the screening, everyone left and one person came up to me and he was a young Japanese man from Japan my age. And he said, he could barely speak English, but he said to me, I'm paraphrasing, I understand you. I feel you. This is me. This is my family. Thank you. And he held my hand and he wouldn't let me go. And I just stood there with him. And we, we just connected eye to eye, didn't break eyes, held his hand. And we just kept talking like that, where he was trying to express things. Whatever I did or didn't understand, I listened, I felt him. So the fact that my piece of work affected one person when this is when I was maybe 27, 
it made me realize that it's not about the numbers. It's not about the podcast being, you know, a million dollar podcast. It's not about the million viewers. It's about that one person who you deeply affect, who comes to you emotional and says, you helped me, you saved me, you served me, whatever it is, you know, and yeah. that's that reminder that you can do anything, you can do something and you could do it again. I, I hear so many things here. Like when we get so scared, we set the bar too high and we're like supposed mm. to live up to that expectation. Mm. And I love that you've kind of reframed it in your head. Like I can't orient myself to that expectation. Like I can't compare myself to what that success might look like if I only impact Never. one person or if I only am able to get through learning a language this to this degree. That's that's a success, like giving yourself yeah. credit for that, right? Totally. It's not how we look at success in any in any American enterprise. Unfortunately, it's a very American thing, and I've spent a lot of time in other countries. And it's you know American capitalism, American ideology start to infiltrate all things because America and American media is kind of the controlling thing. You know, our advertisements tell us what we should think and feel, and we'll be more successful and be more attractive. You know, mm -hmm. but we we don't remember that. I think, in my opinion, true success is happiness. And being proud and using our gifts to serve others. What's yeah. interesting though, Drew, and like in everything that you've shared is not only the reframing that you've done, right? But I know that when I struggle with this idea, it is sometimes tied to these like bigger than life kind of, I'm gonna say expectations, ideas of what what's supposed to be, right? Yeah. And so you kind of set yourself up for failure, right? Because attaining this humongous thing is really hard. Yeah. So then when you break it down into something that is smaller, I think you're far more likely to achieve. Yeah. But again, too, how it's tied to like success and that in the way that we are, that that's kind of ingrained in our thought process yeah. is it's also necessary for us to step back, right? And really look at that and how it impacts our well-being. Because oh. when we're pushing and pushing and, you know, even now when we're like super productive, if you're not productive, you haven't done anything, right? Right. And it's like, ugh. And that's where I think a lot of folks can struggle with this, right? When they're like, well, yeah, you, you start comparing yourself to others, which is one of the worst things that can happen. Right. And they're yeah. like, oh, look, they have all their crap together. They look so put together. Their oh. life is like all nice and shiny. And then you're looking at yourself. You're like, the hell happened here? Totally. <laughs> I mean, know? look at this new generation with Instagram and social media. They got it worse than anyone else because at least we grew up prior to that. At least we had developed some foundations prior to that. But I get that a lot even on my own Instagram because I, I travel a lot and I, I live my art and I express my message and people are like, I've gotten messages saying, you know, you really got it together. You're amazing. You're inspirational. Like, oh my God, together. I struggle every day, bro. We be struggling full time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. we have to aspire to the to the best version of us. That's all that I believe we need to do, you know? And these intrusive thoughts, these I'll never be able to do anything. I'll never be able to do something. I'll never be able to do it again. I'll never be able to do it better. These are all just the same colored thing telling us that we're afraid of something we care about. And I think that we do process and get through it. Therese talked about three years. She finally said, I'm doing this, you know, and I'm come to this point in my maturity as a man that I realize that I have to acknowledge the core of what it is. I have to know what's 
what's the what's the thing that's spewing these negative things out that's stopping me? All these statements basically funnel back to one thought, which is not being good enough or being afraid of failure or mm-hmm. thinking I'm not living up to my potential or thinking I'm going to let someone down. It might be multitude of, of thoughts, but processing one at a time, acknowledging one at a time starts that physiological, that psychological and that spiritual change. And it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. I'll give you an example with my book. For example, I, I wrestled with a lot of like, I'm not doing enough to promote it. I'm not doing enough to market it. I'm not out there hustling and kissing babies and shaking hands. And <laughs> what if no one gets to read the story and I've been told it's really good? What if I'm letting myself down? What if I'm letting down people that believe in me? And you got to stop and say, this isn't a rat race. Mm. This is about quality work and, and about us doing what we do best. It's not about how many babies we kiss. It's about that one baby that says, bling, look at those eyes. And you change that life forever, you know? Because like what I hear is like part of the I'll never be able to do anything is part of like I'll never be able to do all the things that I'm supposed to do or all the things that I want to do. Like I definitely think in the comments that people have on the, the overcoming thoughts module, like there's an element of time in this, like there's Mm -hmm. not enough. I'm, I'm paralyzed by not being able to do it all that I just don't do anything. Yeah. Or if your time has passed, my father lived with that. He really believed in age discrimination. And he's like, he's like, Drew, I, I haven't been able to get a job because of my age. He really believed in that. I think part of that was a little true in his industry. He was a headhunter for for um, Silicon Valley. He was really successful at some point and also was really unsuccessful and we were poor for a long time. Um, but that's what he told himself to not get past his own barrier to be successful. You know, yeah. everyone that's successful has their barriers, but they find a way to get past them. And what we had to work on is find healthy ways, not neurotic ways or or egotistical ways where we block out our own self-awareness. We, we block out what we need to work on just to get ahead. There's another connection there too, though, when you start really thinking about if you've never learned, you've never, and I'm thinking about being taught this, yeah. this way of moving through these intrusive thoughts, right? Because when you're bombarded with a negative environment and, and nobody's like, hooking you up and being like, I'm going to ride with you. Don't worry. You know, when you struggle, I'm going to be here with you. Then it's, it's much easier to fall deeper into the trap because you're just like, what's the point? Totally. And it's not until somebody kind of shines a light and it's like, no, you, you don't have to struggle like this. You know, have you thought about it this way? And I think for me that, that has in many ways helped me move along when I have struggled with this because I've been working on on my dissertation for like I think it's seven years of my life, you know. And I'm wow. like, what have you done? And then I'm like, seven years is not a, mo- a small amount of time. You've yeah. dedicated seven years. I know it's a small number, but when you think about it, that's 365 times seven. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, so you can't actually say you haven't done anything. Yeah. Logically, you have. Yeah. But, you know, you then have to learn. And this is coming from others that they're like, don't look at it like that. You are doing stuff. But it's easier for us to kind of sit in the hole and be like, no, I haven't. Totally. Well, the 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 most ambitious people, the 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 most profound artists are the most self-deprecating. And that's one thing. And 
I was thinking, I was smiling as I was telling the story, America, because I'm thinking, what, why don't we have intrusive, positive thoughts? Oh, yeah. You know, where you get this like, hey, America, you're crushing a girl. Love what you're doing with that dissertation. Just keep on going. Oh, that that page right there, that was fire, America. Yeah. We, we don't have any of that. And you know why? It's because we're not wired. We're not wired to have intrusive, positive thoughts. And can you imagine the power of that? You'd be invincible. But what we do yeah. have is we have the people around us, um, which you have to have positive, uplifting people that support you, that want you to be the best version of you. Um, but that aside, the real battle is within. It's always mm-hmm. within. It's always mm-hmm. us stopping ourselves. I really believe that the most talented people and, and you guys, who I know are talented, I, I, I can't believe anyone would be stopping you guys except for you. It's the same with me. No one's <laughs> knocking on my door saying, Drew, you can't do that. No one's ever successfully done that to me. You know what I mean? It's always me yeah. stopping me. So it's it's interesting how that builds up early, you know, like uh, when you were talking about like affirmations. But I was like, I was talking to my five-year-old and he's got to go to kindergarten. They're big feelings. And I'm like, okay, let's do some affirmations. Like you're strong, you're kind. And then he's five. And he looked at me and he was like, no, I'm not that. I'm like, what? (laughs) What in your life has already told you that you're not kind or whatever? And he was like, well, I hurt people. (laughs) We all do, honey. Yeah, I was like, oh, damn, like I spent so much time yelling at him, like, don't hit your brother. Like, is there something in our lives that have been telling us, like, to hurry, to get get to the thing? Because mm-hmm. there's not enough time to get the, all the things that you want to do and or, you know, you have to do it well if you're going to do it. Is that what's the underlying narrative there that starts you on that path to being like, well, I'll never be able to do it, anything it's really powerful, Teresa. I've been thinking about it before coming on the podcast. Like, where do we get to that place where instead of saying to ourselves internally, I'm I'm so lucky and I'm so lucky that I get to do this. And I know I'm going to do a great job on this project or this game or this quiz or this relationship. I know I'm going to crush it. I know I'm going to give my best. Where When did we go astray where we say, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I don't even know why I was given the chance. I don't even know why I have this opportunity. Why me? You know, and you got this five-year-old that's tapping into that. And and I do think that it it channels our human fight or flight, that fear. Again, we're afraid because we care. That's what that really means, which we never realize. But how do we shift the mindset? You know, everyone that I've talked to that is an artist, that the people that I feel like are great people um, that have had affirmations in their youth talk about it all the time. My buddy Johnny Hobbs, who's um, he's a filmmaker and he's a tap dance expert, African-American tap dance expert and historian. He talks about how his studio, the studio he would go to, they wouldn't let him in and unless he had to knock on the door and they wouldn't let him in unless he said, you know, I'm strong, I'm beautiful, I'm talented, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And sometimes they would be like, no, Johnny, say it louder. You know, and I just thought that was so powerful. And he would be, I'm strong, I'm beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it it does take more work, I think, for that to sink in because of our fear and because of society and things that do bring us down. But that work is so necessary. Manifestations and affirmations are so necessary. Let me tell you something. When, when I hear you say that, what comes to mind is 
I sometimes when Teresa and I have talked about um, a range of different things right on the podcast, she's like, I struggle with this now, yo. I'm like, not me. I know I'm phenomenal. That's it, <laughs> right? Um, so sometimes that can come off as real cocky, right? Yeah. And people are taken aback by that. So yeah. when we do have that, and, and I tend to see that um, in my nephew, he's real, like, you know, he's 17, he's grown and he's grown into himself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it can be a little bit arrogant, but I'm like, you know what? He's, he needs to tell himself that he rocks. And I believe it. You rock, dude. Yeah. You know? And if if you need to tell yourself that, part of it is also helping others see, like, I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I got to do this. Because yeah. if mm-hmm. no, nobody else is around, I have to make this work for me. Totally. Is there an... So I'm trying to explore... So is there an element where you you, know, you don't try because you're scared? You care about this thing so so much. And I, I see this in like little kids where they're like, I don't want to play that game with you because if I don't win, I don't even want to try. Yeah. yeah. Is that like the children version of what it sounds like as an adult? It's like. I think so. I, think I care so. about I care about this thing so much. I'm afraid of losing at it that I don't want to try. And so I'll totally. never be able to do anything because I'm basically paralyzed to do anything. Totally. I was just mentoring a couple of years ago. I mentored um, some kids and making their first film and they're all great, terrific, sweet kids, shy, you know, teenagers. And we're, we're talking about who's going to be the director of this thing. And it's about a, a young girl coming out of her shell and standing up to mom. And um, this is a really beautiful dramatic short. And I remember one kid who I knew had this, the sensibilities and the taste and the leadership skills to be the director. I said, um, I think, I think exactly that. I think you actually could be a really great director. And she told me, no, no way. I can't do that. I said, why? She's like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm afraid. And I said, girl, now you're going to do it. And she (laughs) did. And she crushed it. So that's, you know, she really knocked out of the park. And I think we do that with, you know, we get a job opportunity or, um, and we're excited at first or stoked. Right. And then comes Mr. Intrusive or Mrs. Intrusive. She's like, Hey, don't get too excited about that. You're going to mess it up. And it's, it's that fight or flight. So it's like, how do we combat that? We got to acknowledge what it is. Like that job opportunity is important to me. I really want to do a good job. And that's why I'm, I'm scared or nervous about it. So what can I do? I can prep myself. I can, I can do some more research. I can prepare my thoughts, my words. Really, what we got to do is just slow down and get past the process of, I'm freaking out. This is a big opportunity. Oh, my God. You know, and it's hard for everyone. And and I hear that it's the lesson that you come out on the other side to say, I am mm-hmm. capable. Yeah. And that failure is not. It's nothing. It's like, nothing. It's nothing. I love that. Failure it's is only nothing, something man. to us. It's only something to us. Okay, but that's in- <laughs> that's interesting because if you have narratives in your life that tell you that you're trash, yeah. like if you try something and then you're in a an emotionally abusive relationship where yeah. as a kid, you know, your parent is like, oh, you tried that? Well, good job. Like obviously you failed and it means you're trash. Like yeah. that may be the reason why the paralysis- A lot of people, that is the foundation. For a lot of people, more- that is the foundation. 
Yeah, because yeah. it tells you like when you're a failure, well, that's it then. Well, I guess you will never be able to do anything, you know? And that's totally. such so toxic crap. Yeah. Like, let's all just claim that, all right? Like, Even if you don't come from a toxic or emotionally abusive um, upbringing, it came from both. And I also had, it came from a very loving upbringing. So I had both extremes. Even if you don't come from that, even if you come from some sort of neutrality, if you will, where you're like, oh, I don't have any big traumas growing up. It was fine. To really get people to be the best versions of themselves, kids, you, me, we have to have constant affirmations about what we're good at and what we're doing a good job because we can't get past our own thoughts or our traumas to actually get to the work, you know? But when we're in the work, when we're doing the podcast, when we're doing the research, when we're doing the dissertation, when we're in the moment and we're present, usually we are doing a good job. But the world doesn't build each other up. The world is all about bringing people down and and criticizing and analyzing and saying, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, it could have been better. You know, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I literally think about this stuff every day. I think about it in relation to myself. Why am I not living up to my potential as a human being or as a man or as an artist? I think about the world and it makes me go, man, I'm really not vibing with the world, you know? Mm -hmm. But what that is, is the challenge for me as Drew to be the best version of myself. What does that mean? That means making every effort with you guys, with my friends, with my family, with my work, and to go to sleep knowing I made every effort, you know? And that takes a lot of effort because it's easier to say no. It's easier to say this sucks. It's easier to criticize. It's easier to find something wrong than to look at a kid or look at me and say, you don't even know how special you are and that you're really good at that that you're so smart when you handle the way you handled that was so clever. You know, it takes a lot of courage and, and bravery and leadership and maturity to do that. And that's what we need to do for each other. Oh, it's so beautiful. I barely spent time with you guys, but I remember from the first time I met you guys, I was like, you guys are both so special and everything you, you guys, the way you guys run mental health America and the way you guys have run, um, the national conference and Teresa, when we spent time together in the love effect premiere, I know you guys are incredible what you do, you know, and I know how valuable the work is. Your compliments are making me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very hard for her to accept that. It's hard for all of us. It's hard for all of us because that's not normal anymore. Complimenting yeah. and uplifting each other is not normal anymore. And that's a huge battle that we all have to do. We're going to be here to always uplift you, Teresa. You know, Drew, I what I love about our conversations always, always when we talk, it's it's the connection to our connection as human beings and how we can mm. help others, right? And and move that forward. Yeah. For this, when people are struggling, you know, I think everything that we've discussed is so fundamental to helping create a shift in our mind when we do struggle. So finding something like, you know, write yourself those affirmations, say those affirmations out loud, pop them all over so that you can see them because yeah. that will then get, it's going to get easier for you to accept them. I know Teresa doesn't sure. like compliments, but I love the hell out of her. You know, she's honest yeah, and she's so. who she is. We need that daily. So, we need that daily because look, I stifle my own, my own talents all yeah. the time. I have people tell me all the time that really know me that are like, you drew we know you can do better. We're and for me, that's back. like that's like a knife, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but yeah. we have to be our own biggest fans and we have to hopefully surround ourselves with people that are our biggest supporters. But maybe these affirmations, what, what America's saying, 
one way what we got to do as well is we take the statement, I'll never be able to do anything. I'll never be able to do something. To work through it, I would say, why? Well, I'll never be able to publish a book. Why? Because it takes a lot of work finding the right people and building a team to support you and getting money and getting money to spend. Why can't I do that? You know, we have to work our way backwards to the core, which is the core for me is it's a lot of work and I just don't want to mess it up and I don't want to be a failure. It's my first book and I, uh, you know, I don't want to mess up. It's because I care, you know, but if I get one more person that says you did something great and I can feel that and get out of my own way, then that's enough for me, you know? And then it's a daily fight every single day. These intrusive thoughts, these stoppers, these blockers, we are way worse to ourselves than any other person on the street. And it's a daily fight. Well, I I totally appreciate that you got to spend time with us today, Drew. So if people are interested in reading the book that's coming out or following you on social, where can they find you? The book is called The Incredible Existence of You. And it's a series. And it's about two people from different sides of the world that are going to get a second chance at life and love. And it's an affirmation about how every day we are given a second chance at life and love. And it's not just a romantic drama. It's a story about second chances in every way, shape, and form. Um, the incredible existence, you.com. It's an Amazon exclusive. You won't be able to find it anywhere else. Um, I also have another a movie coming out in Australia called Bosch and rocket with my business partner, Tyler Atkins, which has been well received. So I'm excited to share that with people. Otherwise you can just look me up. My name is drew grit and you know, thanks to you guys as well. I got to give credit to you guys. You guys specifically, and Mental Health America, and Paul Jean Frito, one of the unsung heroes of this country, helped unlock me to realize that what I do goes beyond just telling stories and making movies. It's about expressing human connection and understanding ourselves. And that is mental health. That is mental wellness. And that's a full-time mm-hmm. job. And that's, that's really what I do. As a, as a human being, I'm a mental health advocate, and I use storytelling and my, my vessel as a human being to connect with yeah. people. That's what I do. Thank you, Drew. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Drew. You guys are amazing. I really appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate both of you for everything you do. Thanks, Drew. Well, we're going to keep talking about intrusive thoughts, folks. And, you know, to sign off today, Drew, do you want to sign off? We always say keep fighting in the open. The only way we can do this together is if we fight in the open. So let's fight in the open. Mm-hmm.